you are bliss, that bliss is your birthright, and that 24-hour-a-day bliss is available to you, and anything keeping you from that is stress. This is Awakened Love, the podcast, and I'm your host, Angel. This is a space where we get real, real about sex, love, and awakening. So strap in, let's go deep. What's up, beautiful awakened beings? Welcome to another episode of Awakened Love. Today we have Emily Fletcher. Emily is the founder of Ziva and the creator of the Ziva technique, which is practiced by over 40,000 people. She's a best selling author of Stress Less and Accomplish More. She's been featured in publications like the New York Times, Good Morning America, Vogue, ABC. She's really a rock star of the wellness world, and I'm so grateful to have her here with us today. So welcome, Emily. Thank you for being here, Mama. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. So in my true Scorpio nature, I want to just dive right off the deep end. You and I have been having some discussions around sensual awakening and sexual awakening. And so I'd love to hear from you for people who are listening, who are like, what is that? Uh, In your words, what does that phrase mean to you? sensual or sexual awakening? Oof. So for years, I've always loved the quote from Buddha when they would ask him, like, what are you? Like, are you a, are you a God? Are you a man? And he would say, I am awake. And mm. it's not special. It's not different. It's just how awake are you? And with the meditation that I've been teaching and practicing for 13 years, that's really all we're doing is giving people very, very deep rest so that they yeah. can be more awake in their waking state. Mm. And, and what does awake mean? It means more conscious, more present. Um, I would say that attributes of awakening or attributes of higher states of consciousness are the ability to hold many things in one awareness, the ability to detect yes. subtlety and the ability to detect themes. And that certainly is all translatable into the sensual world, into the sexual world. And then you just get to add on to it all of this pleasure, all of this bliss, all of this love, all of this connection to yourself, to a partner or partners and to the divine. Mm. And I think what's been really new in my personal awakening is that I am really truly starting to see sex as sacred. And I've even, you know, as I'm speaking about it to people like, what what does that even mean, sacred sexuality? How could sexuality be sacred? And I'm sure Mm. that your audience doesn't need to hear that. But it was, I mean, I'm going to be 43 next month. And this was news to me when our mutual friend, Layla Martin, we were on vacation together. It was like our second date. This is a long weekend in Tulum. And she said this sentence to me. She said, for thousands of years, sex, no, she said, for thousands of years, ecstasy was seen as a purifying force. Mm. And it just, my whole mind just blew open because I'm Southern. I was raised Southern Baptist. I grew up with like sweaty white dudes yelling at me about the Bible and telling me what not to do. Mm. And a decent amount of slut shaming, which most of us have been swimming in for most of Mm. our lives. And so I I did have so much conditioning to think that it was wrong or dirty or bad or naughty or shameful or to be hidden. And so just that one sentence that ecstasy could be a purifying force has been its own awakening for me and has really allowed me to connect to God through my sex practices. Mm, Yes. Speak to me a little about the purifying force. I love that. And 
you know, in meditation, which mm. you have your very own method. I'd love to get into that as well. But you're an expert, you're a facilitator in the space of meditation. And so it seems that you really know about purifying. So what has been the difference for you between this, like the purifying force of meditation and the Kriyas and that type of emptying out perhaps, and the purifying force of ecstasy, Mm -hmm. pleasure, sexuality? Oh, what a great question. And I had not linked those two things together. They're like, of course, that's the piece of this sexuality work that I'm drawn to is the purification because I've dedicated my whole life to the purification of the nervous system through meditation. And so I'll start with the meditation because that's what I'm most familiar with is that I really subscribe to this philosophy from the Vedas, which is that you are bliss, that bliss Mm -hmm. is your birthright. And that 24-hour-a-day bliss is available to you. And anything keeping you from that is stress, right? That nature did not intend for us to be sick, tired, and stressed all the time. That that's mean and nature's not mean, right? Mm. That nature actually wants, like she incarnated, like, right? Like the goddess took human form for the joy of rediscovering herself, for the joy of eating food and having sex and seeing shows and hearing music because it got boring being in the unmanifest for eons and epochs at a time. And so like, that's the whole point of why we're here. But it's like, it's just this subtle shift that remembering that we are bliss, that we are actually God pretending to be human, and that anything that is keeping us from that is simply accumulated stress. And so why mm. I love meditation so much, and specifically what I teach at Ziva, is that you're giving your body rest that's five times deeper than sleep. And when you give your body that deep rest, it knows how to heal itself. And not only from the stress from today, but of all the stress that we've been accumulating in our cellular memory, all of those layers of conditioning that's kept us from remembering our true divine nature. And so with the meditation practices, day by day, meditation by meditation, we're peeling off those accumulated layers of stress, ushering ourselves into higher and higher states of consciousness. Now, for me, the purification that happens in the sex practices is that if you think about it, like those moments post-orgasm where you have very similar chemistry in your brain and body to meditation, but you're adding in the oxytocin and you're adding in the endorphins, Right. Mm -hmm. So same dopamine, same serotonin of bliss chemistry, and now the love hormone of oxytocin and the endorphins, which is like superpower. And if you think about it, it's those few moments right after orgasm that you feel the cleanest, that you feel the most connected to God. And in those moments of actual orgasm, you do transcend your identity. You transcend your individuality and you are quite viscerally connected to all that is. So there's, it's so similar to meditation, it's just more concentrated and, and because of the concentrated power and because of all the societal stuff, it's just that we have to wade through more conditioning to get to the medicine, but mm. the medicine is so powerful. Oh my gosh. I love that. And it's like, and I, and I also believe that through the sacred sexuality practices as well, like we can take that concentrated energy and like spread it out with extended orgasm or like process oriented lovemaking. And then, and then it becomes, it almost feels like based on what you're describing, I'm just getting this image of like, oh, then that concentrated energy, which is so powerful, sexy, amazing, wonderful can also become like the meditative sustained energy. So thank you for that. I'm just getting this really beautiful. Ooh, what's, what's, what's process oriented lovemaking? Is that what you said? Process? Yeah. Oriented? Yeah. So what's it's that? like, well, it's like, I love that you're asking me a question. 
<laughs> leadership bless. It's like, um, <laughs> where I mean, yeah, it's, it's, you know, yin versus yang arousal. And I, I, I always get into the weeds with yin and yang and maybe you feel this too because it's duality and so the essence of me, the goddess, is like, ah, I can't be contained in that. But sometimes there's an inherent usefulness <laughs> in this stuff, right? So the yin arousal is more lunar, it's more process, it's more um, around this like uh, slow sustaining energy versus goal-oriented, direct, solar energy, yang arousal, which is what most of our society, uh, we've been programmed, like that's what sexuality is. Like you have yang arousal network, it springs from the, gen it's genital focused, it's fast, it's goal-oriented. It's like even, even in the sacred way, which is beautiful, getting to that like release, which is so profound uh, and can be done in a sacred way, the the yin, which is kind of maybe more similar to meditation, perhaps it's like, it's the process itself. It's this moment now. It's the pleasure I'm feeling in my body in this moment now. It's the connection to the felt sense wherever I'm at that has me climb to deeper and deeper states of pleasure. But then also it's the goal to sustain. And it kind of makes me think of game theory. Have you heard of game theory where it's like, we're living in a society where game A that we're currently playing is like competition-based, someone always oh, wins, yeah. someone always loses versus what if we changed the game to be let's keep as many players in the game for as long as possible. And like what would lovemaking look like? That would be yeah. that would be process-oriented lovemaking. It's like let's keep as many players in the game for as long as possible oh. and make the goal pleasure itself. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, that feels good. <laughs> oh. yes. yes, I love it. And also thank you for saying that because – that is, I can make a direct correlation to Ziva meditation because so many people think that the point of meditation is to clear the mind, right? Mm. And so they go in thinking that that's the point. Oh, I got to clear my mind. And then mm. they sit down and they're like, okay, brain, shut up. And then mm. that's impossible. You cannot give the brain a command to fall silent because the mind thinks involuntarily, just like the heart beats involuntarily. Yes. And just like you cannot command your heart to stop beating, you also cannot command your brain to stop thinking. But because that is a byproduct of meditation is more clarity, people mm. are trying to use, they're trying to like get to the goal and trying to use that as the process. Yes. And so to take that analogy to the goal sexuality versus the process sexuality, it's like if you were to put that onto meditation, it'd be like, it'd be like trying to sit down and orgasm, like sit down yes. and like, okay, brain orgasm. And it's like, nope, that doesn't work. <laughs> that doesn't point. And then everyone feels like they're failing. Like I can't just sit down and orgasm. It's like, of course you can't because you have to have a process and yes. nobody knows the process of meditation. They're just trying to get to the result. And I think yes. that we've done something similar with sexuality. It's just become this like stress release or this like three minutes of porn or like put on a vibrator. And what my roommate, Regina Thomasauer, AKA Mama Gina, what she calls it is a crotch sneeze. And I told her, <laughs> I was like, I'm so mad at you because I can never unhear that. <laughs> I'll never be able to unhear the term crotch sneeze. So I'm sorry for everyone listening. And also you're welcome because the second that you hear that term, then you're like, oh, I don't, I don't care about a crotch sneeze, but I am very interested in making love to myself. I am very yes. interested in being in the present moment awareness. And what is this sensation now? What is this process now? And then especially as women, it's like we take the pressure off of ourselves. We get out of the goal-oriented thinking, which of course catapults us into more pleasure because the only place that we can ever experience our bliss is here and now and here and now and here and now. So thank oh. you for helping to draw those parallels. It's so good. <laughs> oh my goddess. I'm feeling a lot of pleasure in the here and now listening to that transmission 
people listening, can you feel that? Oh my goddess, thank you, my love. Yeah, can I think that. Can you feel the love tonight? <laughs> Ooh, yes. So let's continue on this track, this beautiful, juicy space that we're in. So have you had any experiences or teachers on this journey? I mean, you mentioned Mama Gina. She's going to be on the podcast later this week. Layla, who was in season one. Yay. Is there anyone else, woohoo, all the sex witches, uh, that has really influenced you, impacted you? Any experiences that have felt really pivotal for you? <laughs> How long's the podcast? <laughs> um, so any recent I think experiences? This is an interesting. I'm leading the witness yeah. here. <laughs> well, yeah. So <clears throat> I, I just had like some massive life changes, you know, COVID hit. I live in New York city. I had some big life changes. I changed my relationship status. I, um, went to this event. It's like a faux burning man event in Santa Fe. And I met Layla Martin, who some of you guys know from the first season, who's amazing. And I also met, um, this beautiful man named Adam, who is now my cosmic lover. And I met them on the same day. And mm. my life would never be the same. So cut to like four weeks later, we're all in Tulum together, a group of seven of us. And Layla, for the first time, and we've talked about this publicly, so I'm not outing her secrets, but for the first time, um, facilitated her work, Her, which she's a beautiful, masterful Tantra teacher, but she did it in like a private friend setting. And mm. for her, she had really kept it church and state before then of like, this is my work and these are my friends and I don't mix the two. And so it was pretty, it was pivotal for me because that's where she said that, that sentence of ecstasy for thousands of years was seen as a purifying force, which really, I think, changed the trajectory of my life. And for her, mixing her work with her friends has been pivotal for her, for us and for our friend group. Um, so that was sort of like a beginning. Um, and then also like being in this, I would call it, I call out of my cosmic lover, uh, because the love that we make does not feel totally human. It feels like a huge percentage of us are, is connecting on a plane that is beyond the physical. Now mm. we've been in a long distance relationship. I live in New York, he lives in Austin. And so, and it's, we're going on, I think 16 or 17 months. And so, it's a very unique flavor of a relationship and certainly a unique expression of sexuality. And by the way, I had never even had phone sex before I met <laughs> Adam. Okay. Like, like, so for me, it was like very much like a physical act. It was like in the dark, it was under covers. It was like, a, that's how you had it. But now like to engage with someone in the erotic and sensual space without being able to use your physical bodies is both a challenge and a blessing. And so what's happened as a result of that is that it's like we've had to grow our energy bodies big enough to be able to meet each other to the point mm -hmm. that when we make love, it does not feel like video sex or long distance. It's like I can actually feel him and mm -hmm. he can actually feel me. And the level of energetic sensitivity and almost superpowers that we've developed as a byproduct of this you know, unique situation has changed our lives. It's changed our lovemaking. It's changed the way that we are with each other. And so for me, it's really opened up the energetic realm of sex. And then also Layla for my birthday last year did an energy orgasm workshop. And so she sort of initiated me into the art of orgasm, um, energy orgasm, which was new to me. And then I also had, um, I did ayahuasca for the first time on my birthday last year, two separate birthday events. But then the next day I did San Pedro, um, mm. or there's another M word for that. Much, much, 
I'm, I forget, San Pedro. So the idea is that like, the ayahuasca is like cleaning you out and then the San Pedro is filling you up with joy. Mm. And the shaman who was administering the medicine, he looked at my chart and he said, oh, the last time someone with your chart did this medicine, she had a three-hour energetic orgasm. And I sort of just laughed it off and cut to three-hour energetic orgasm. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. And it felt like I was actually like because you know everything is enhanced with with medicine but it felt like i was actually making love to god mm. and and that was new for me um, <laughs> and then since then it feels like i can <laughs> um it feels like if with just a little bit of intention i can sort of direct i can have third eye orgasms or heart orgasms and and it's just open up this whole new realm which i think has the ability like the ripple effect of this, if we get this technology into the hands of more people is so far reaching because one, it's just like, why would you not want to have every single part of your body as a potential erogenous zone? Why would you not want to have an orgasm in your heart or your knee or your eyeballs or wherever you choose? But it also really frees us up from like the gender normatives and the masculine and feminine versus male and female. And I think that if we can get more women tapping into their energy cocks and more yes. men tapping into their energy pussies, then there's then a few things happen. One, we can sort of transcend the latent misogyny that we're all swimming in. And, and maybe, just maybe, we could transcend the latent homophobia that we're also all swimming in. Because yes. I think I was with, I was in... Austin a few weeks ago with a group of like alpha bros and like super conscious, super awakened. Yes. Like on the path and also swimming in layers of misogyny and homophobia. And when I was, and I was speaking about some work that I've been doing with someone and we were specifically tapping into like this idea of having an energy cock as a woman, which I think is so fun and exciting. And, um, and then like their reaction to that as men was like, uh-oh, like look out, better watch out. You know, there was like a bit of like resistance as if being fucked is a bad thing. And I was like, and I and I was just like, hey, let's let's take a let's let's think about this for a second, you know, because our language is so indicative of what's happening in the culture. And just that term getting fucked, right? Like if yep. someone takes money from you or does a bad job, what do we say? Oh, I got fucked. And it's like, well. That's what's happening to women, to people who identify as women. And it's, that's not, there's nothing bad about that. Are you talking about race? Yes. Like, do you, mm. if that's what you mean, then use, use that word. And, mm. and so it was just a bit of like examining that of like, why are you so afraid of being penetrated? What if you opened up to the possibility that it could be really, really pleasurable? Yeah. And, and this is one of the things and that healing. I love so much about. Yes. So healing where people get in touch with all sides of them, their, their penetrating yes. side, their receiving side, and that we sort of let go of those things needing to be attached to gender. I think it will do yes. a lot of things. One, heal some misogyny, heal some homophobia. And my dream of dreams would be that it would start to create more of a level of acceptance of trans people as well, because we yes. would start to wake up to the full spectrum inside of all of us. Yes, my love. Ah. Oh. Oh my goddess, the people listening have heard me move through so much around my problem with 
uh, masculine and feminine really just being kind of terms for male and female. And so, so beautifully put that inherently there is something uh, useful about the yin and yang energy, about receptivity and creation. But exactly as you're saying, like, what if we could broaden our ability to inhabit all the aspects of energy and to relinquish them from what it means about who we think we are, how stitched those energies become rigidly to identity. And in that way, yeah, releasing that and therefore releasing our attachment to who anyone else needs to be and how anyone else should or shouldn't be. And unstitching, as you say, that inherent misogyny, transphobia, homophobia, um, through this ability to play with energy. Oh my goddess. Wow. 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 I'm like, and it's just like more experiences. It's like, yes. I remember a few years ago, like when, when trans, like the conversation around trans people started to become more mainstream. And I, I felt like a bit of resistance that I had, but it, it was, I was looking at it and I was like, what is this resistance? And I feel like I was so at that moment in time, many years ago, I was so like committed to like moving women's rights forwards and sort of like in the me too movement and wanting and like gay rights forward that I was like, you guys, can we just give it a minute? Like, can we just give the people a minute before we start also trying to get people to embrace trans folks? And, and, and now I'm like looking back at that version of me and being like, well, I was, it was like, I was pre-negotiating. You ever do that? You ever negotiate against yourself? Hey, Angel, we'd love to have you speak at a thing. And you're like, well, my rate is this, but I'll, I'll take this if you if that's not in your budget. It's like, wait, let someone else negotiate. And I feel like I was doing that with my, like the voice that I assume my like conservative Christian relatives in the South have. And it's like mm. I was negotiating for them, trying to campaign mm. for these other rights. Mm. Anyway, we don't need to get into a tired, like, political conversation, but if you've ever heard, I'm sure you've heard of Alok. Um, They are like all over the podcast circuit right now. Uh, Non-binary artist, poet, speaker, Mm. comedian, and to hear them speak about trans people, it is, it is like a work of art. Mm. And maybe, maybe you could have them on the podcast. I don't want to speak for them, but just- highly, highly recommend checking them out because, but I also speak to the message that I got from it, which was, we don't need protection. We don't need defense. What we need is for you to embrace the entirety of you so that you stop hating on yourself. Because the second that you see that we are actually special, enlightened, like more evolved, you will stop attacking us when you stop attacking the piece of yourself that you're afraid of. And, And as I've been like feeling into all these different aspects of me, it's like, oh, Like the second you can love all of the sides of you, it's so much easier to love all of the shades and sides of someone else. Yes, absolutely. That deep acceptance of our shadow, our light, our full spectrum nature, which is really our fear of our own power. I think, you know, this like deep seated fear of like the everythingness, the unknowable, ever changing mystery of the depth and vastness of who we all really are. And when a being is willingly and courageously as many trans folks are to just like be all of that, even if, you know, others don't understand 
and the courage that that takes and then recognizing, as you say, the specialness and historically, uh, gender nonconforming people, gender creative people were revered in many cultures and traditions as special, as the sages, as the mystics, as the healers, as the wise ones who were able to transcend identity and the attachment to who we think we are and who we think we should be. So I think touching on that idea of how does that come back to us and our own internalized oppression, our own internalized resistance to ourselves um, and fear of ourselves, our power, our creativity. And I think it really taps beautifully into what you're talking about, the fluidity of playing with energy, learning to play mm -hmm. with yin and yang, like whether you're ready for the energetic cock or the energetic pussy, like what would it feel like to just get in touch energetically as you're saying and with the yin and the yang and with your partner, which kind of made me think about, and I know I, I saw that you were recently on retreat with Joe, Joe Dispenza, who's a big proponent of like quantum thinking and quantum healing. And now I'm like, is this like quantum sexuality where it's transcending time oh. and space? Like that kind of felt like what you were talking about with your lover. What do you feel? What do you think about that? <laughs> yes, 1000%. Everything in me wants to go and like get that TM and .com and URL right now. <laughs> it's oh yours. God, quantum sexuality. <laughs> like that's it. That's 1000% it. So like Joe Dispenza, I discovered Joe when I was like 22. And then one of my clients, I just, I emailed him and, I, and he was like, hey, I was actually going to Layla's house and I emailed this client. He's like, hey, I'm going to have dinner in LA. Do you want to come with us? And I was like, yeah. He's like, it's, I'm going with Joe Dispenza. Do you know him? And I was like, yes, I know him. And so it was just me and Joe and this client of mine. And it was, I was so fangirling because I've been watching this man for like 20 something years. Like what the bleep do we know is the, one of the things that introduced me to all of this stuff. And, and so it was so fun to get to meet him and then get to get to experience his, his workshop. Um, and he's done such a service. He's brought so many of these concepts into the mainstream of the, that there even is like a 5d that the idea that yes, the emotional piece is the, or like the thought is the electrical piece and the feeling is the magnetic piece. And that's what mm. sex is. It's thought and feeling it's electricity and magnetism Oof, and yes. so I love the idea of quantum sexuality, that you're <laughs> transcending time and space or that you can. It's great to have physical sex too. Maybe that's your next brand like, slash program. <laughs> yes, I think you just birthed it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Quantum sexuality. It sounds like a, it sounds just nerdy enough and also intriguing enough. Oh, great. And also aligned with your gifts from what you were describing about like what your inherent capacities are. And I think we all have inherent super superpowers and, and capacities like so far beyond what we've been taught, beyond what we've been taught. You know, we're taught like strength and these type of things. But, like what about, and I tend to attract in, in my sphere, in my work, my community, energetically sensitive and energetically gifted people. And that's like being a part of my dharma and my karma. And so like, yeah, I think we all have these energetic superpowers and it sounds like yours is like, that's all I was picking up on. I'm like, I think that you're a yes. quantum sex priestess. <laughs> so, touching, so <laughs> touching on that, I have experienced, and I'm curious if you have experienced that 
you know, when we step into this field of wellness, uh, meditation, I started as a yoga teacher being, you know, like a spiritual teacher in our own right. Like that's a big term to claim, but I would say that both of us in our own ways, that's part of what we do. And what I experienced, you know, teaching spirituality, what I experienced in that for myself is that I created this box of which parts of me fit inside of that and which parts of me are inappropriate, are not serving my mission, don't fit inside. And so it's been like a continual, um, coming out process of like, okay, this is actually part of me for me, like my sexuality, my, um, connection to God through sex and eroticism. That was a big coming out for me. It sounds like maybe for you as well. And just like, mm-hmm. have there been parts of you or pieces of you that you felt didn't fit within that, that, and what has that been like for you? Mm. I mean, it's currently happening. This is officially the second podcast where I've talked about any of this. And and the first one is a real, like it is legitimately going to be a, a coming out as a sex witch. And, <laughs> and the, what's interesting is that I, I still haven't really told like my mom and my sisters, like I'll have to do that before <laughs> these come out. Um, I mean, they, you know, they like get my emails and see my Instagram and stuff, but I haven't really had a sit down of like just how important this work is to me. And that's my own fear and my own story. And I'm sure they're going to be great and celebratory and they just want me to be happy. Um, But so I'm just examining that of like, Mm. what, why have I not shared with them? So Regina, so Mama Gina, AKA Regina Thomashauer, she wrote a New York Times bestselling book called Pussy, A Reclamation. And she's really interested in my mom and she keeps sending her copies of books and signing books and gifting her her programs, which is so sweet and so kind. And so my mom like kind of knows that I'm swimming in this world, but is like, I would not say we have a ton of worthy inquiry just yet, but if Regina has her way with her. We're going <laughs> to bring her into the fold. Oh my God. She is dating someone, woman. which is very exciting. Oh. Um, so, so yeah, I would say it's, it's just my own conditioning of what I assume people will think or say. And then also yeah. I think in my particular place, it's like for 13 years, I've been teaching meditation and specifically meditation for high performance. And I'd say that one of my superpowers is taking esoteric information and communicating it to a mainstream audience in a way that is both attractive and accessible. And so it yes. feels like that is what nature is asking of me right now. It feels like it's not an accident that I happen to be getting a fire hose of the world's greatest Tantra teachers, like all up in my reality. <laughs> and it feels like this is um, like right right on time and that perhaps I'm being tasked with the job of taking this historically rather esoteric or behind closed doors information and bringing it to, and different than Layla, because Layla's already making it so mainstream, but I think it's like my job feels to be like bringing this to an audience that otherwise would not be curious or interested, right? Which is kind of what I did Quantum with meditation. Sexuality. I the back door. <laughs> quantum sexuality. Um, and similar to Joe, like he doesn't use any Sanskrit words. You know, he just says like center one, two, like he doesn't talk about chakras. He doesn't talk Mm. about Kundalini breath, but that's what he's doing. Yeah. Similarly, there's a way in to talk about like these tools as a way of healing, as a way of even unlocking your creative potential because sexual energy, creative energy are so, so similar. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what it feels like. So what I did with meditation is it's like, hey, here's this thing and it's going to help you make more money and have better sex. So I have actually been talking about sex, but as a byproduct of meditation. And now Mm -hmm. it feels like, wait a minute, now the sex practice could actually bring you closer to God. So it's all, we're all moving in the same direction. 
Yes, 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 yes. It's so interesting, right? Like I kind of had that moment myself where I'm like surrounded by women like you and Mama Gina and Layla and many others. And I look around and I'm like, something's happening here. <laughs> like how are we all being drawn together, this magnifying force, like, and also just witnessing the power of the women I'm being surrounded by and like therefore mm. reflected back and just that question of, okay, my word this year was listen. And it's like deep listening to my body and deep listening to life and deep listening to the moment. Because if I do that, everything else aligns. And it's been working so beautifully and just called me into deep listening of like all these, like you and these powerful women around me reflecting like what am I being called forward into and it sounds like you're in that process as well and I guess that's the continual life process right of being a devotee to awakening is like the deep listening of what am I being called forward into what is life asking of me and in that way like am I in alignment with my dharma with my highest and greatest service which kind of is in contact with our desire like what we want deeply truly when we're really aligned with that I think does align with what the world wants what our soul wants what what is serving could you speak a little to that, like Dharma and service and sexuality? Oh my gosh, it would be my absolute pleasure. And I'll start by saying that I think that you're, you're absolutely right in that there is this collective awakening happening. And I feel it like all of our friends, so many people who've historically not been in this space are suddenly like getting into this space. And it feels like not an accident. It feels like, oh, if we want to really... As a, as a species, we've never faced more fear in like recent history, right? So even though the threats perhaps are not as great, the level of fear and stress and anxiety, because we have access to all of the world's tragedies at one time with the scroll of, of a finger, and that's not natural or normal, right? Like it is not natural for us to know the entirety of human suffering within 60 seconds. And we now have more access to more information in seven days than our ancestors did in their entire lifetime. And so we're having, we're being asked a lot to adapt to that. And I think that the stress and the cost to our nervous systems is very high. And so it's like if the only antidote to fear is love, right? And if we're experiencing record levels of fear, then we're going to need record levels of love. We're going to need more and more mm. potent medicine. And I think that that is why in the collective so many people are being drawn to this erotic work, to this really powerful medicine work, because, you know, just like you're not going to treat cancer with a Tylenol, you're not going to treat an epidemic of fear and mental health issues um, with, you know, a, 20 minutes on the treadmill. I mean, you know, it's, it's a yes and. So yeah. I'm, I'm seeing that same awakening. And the, I did my first like seven day sacred sexuality intensive and it was a couple that had hired me and Ooh. we were, you know, doing a lot of manifesting, a lot of sex magic and the visions that were coming through was very much of this high priestess council and mm. this code exchange and like quite literally building a temple um, to bring the high priestesses together. And, and then like, how are we disseminating those codes? Like how are we exchanging codes with each other and then disseminating those codes to the planet? And then one vision that I'll share with you that I haven't yet, I don't, I don't know if I shared this in Costa Rica, but I, I keep having this download in this image, speaking of Dharma, it's a stadium. So it's 80,000 people, specifically 80,000 people. And there's a, a stage in the center and it's a, it's a circle. And it's not just me on stage. There's lots of women on stage, 
but it, it's like lights up and it's Lizzo and it's full like mainstream like concert people in their bodies in their hearts and then all of the priestesses you know Mama Gina does swamping I do meditation yes. Layla does sex magic and we just have like all of us together disseminating this this medicine for people and the idea of 80,000 people forming a collective antenna. And specifically my dream is that we all are holding the same vision for the planet. And that's, that it's not, we're not manifesting our own desires, that we're manifesting a vision for the planet, for this new earth of like, what do we want for the planet itself? And what do we want for the species? Because, and that might sound simple because it is, but how much time yesterday did you spend stressing out about potential World War III, climate change and COVID? Versus how much time did you spend imagining the world that you want to live in, actually seeing peace in Ukraine, actually seeing an end to the pandemic? So it's like, what are we using our most creative force for, for worry or imagining? And This is and literally to, to quantum sexuality. To- <laughs> and I'm like, what? This is literally right here. And what is so wild, my love, that I have to say is that me and some of my girlfriends who, you know, Rachel Pringle, I don't know if you know Josephina Bashout, she's known as the pussy priestess, have been having this exact conversation around yes, yes, that yes. we are all, you know, because we've, we've been talking about like the sisterhood thing and how it's so interesting and refreshing and beautiful that we all do such similar stuff, but we support each other's work. We um, share each other's work. We facilitate together. We, you know, get to do this together, rise together. And we're like, how is it that we're kind of experiencing it in that way? And Josephina actually said, who was in season one as well, and is a guest teacher on my seductress program at the moment. And as her and I were kind of sharing about this, she was like, you know, it feels to me as though we are all priestesses and we have been priestesses of this lineage. And we come and we study at the temple, the exact analogy that you used, which is wild. And we uh, absorb this technology, this information that has been passed down uh, for, and, and protected, like thankfully for so long, this lineage and is now being innovated and, and transformed. And we come together and we study and we learn from one another and we share codes, as you say, and then we go out into the world and we you know, teach in our own way, but also teach together. And so it was just so interesting to me that you are having the exact same visions and the exact same sort of conversations and intentions uh, as we are having them. So pretty wild. The same analogies as well. (laughs) So good. It's so good. And I mean, like, get ready because we need all of, we need all, all the priests. Anyone listening, if you know that this is you, like, let's get together. We're building an actual temple. We're going to have an actual stadium event. Like these are not analogies. This is happening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think most Mm -hmm. people listening, uh, or many people listening would probably identify that they have some element of priestess or energy witch or sex witch alive in them. Hence, they're attracted to the podcast and all these beautiful beings like yourself who come and share this type of information that, yeah, may have previously been taboo and is now being brought into the light. Can you speak a little bit to like the witch wound? I know something for me and we touched on it, like the, you know, the fear of coming out and like maybe sharing with family and also, you know, something I've clocked and I don't know if this has been come through for you. But what I realized is that I sometimes still have a nervous system activation of, um, of sharing certain things, you know, like the art on my wall is, you know, all this sort of stuff that in the moment I'm like, yeah, that's true to me. This is exciting. It's wonderful. And then 
this kind of vulnerability hangover that I can get in my nervous system and that I get to digest and kind of trauma to integrate. And what I realized is like there are still places on this planet today where women are not safe to be uh, sexually liberated, to be in their expression, to have sexual freedom. Uh, and so there's this recognition of like a the compassion that we do this work for ourselves, but we also do it for every woman alive and all of our women and our ancestors that never got the opportunity to do it, but also like the very real legacy and like nervous system activation that can come along with doing this work. Have you ever experienced that or mm. could you speak to that a little bit? Mm-hmm. So I'm really good at hiding. <laughs> I'm really good at, at telling people what they want to hear. And it's mm. one of the reasons why I'm a great speaker, like <clears throat> in my human design or whatever, my throat is open. And so mm it makes me a really good speaker because I can get in front of a room of 2000 people and, and speak to that room. Like, it's like, I almost mm. don't have my own voice. I am, I inhabit the voice of the collective. Mm. And so that can be a blessing and a curse. It makes me a great channel to be able mm. to like pull the wisdom from the collective and then disseminate it to the need of the time or the need of a room. Yeah. And the shadow side of that is I'm really good at telling people what they want to hear. And so if I'm in a, and because I sort of have some old codependent conflict avoidant things that I'm healing, um, it's so easy for me to fall into like hiding traps or pleasing traps. And so to stand on my own two feet and say, you know, yes, this is what I'm doing. Yes. And so that, and this is all brand new for me. I mean, brand yeah. new. I'm not kidding. The second time I've really talked about this publicly. So mm. I don't really have any advice other than, but I'm open to it. But I will say that yes. Layla sent an email for me a few weeks ago because we did a workshop together called Bliss and Ecstasy, which I by the way, I have that. a fantasy that Layla and I have a TV show called Bliss and Ecstasy. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and so she sent an email and it was all kind of like last minute and she was out of town and blah, blah, blah. And her team usually approves it and her team was going to send it to me for approval, but whatever, it just went out. And so I'm in the bath. I've had like a crazy day and I'm in the bath. And for whatever reason, like a ding dong, I picked up my phone while I'm in the bath, which, you know, don't try that at home. Not recommended. Um, and <laughs> I saw that she sent out an email and it like had my name in it. And, and I read it and Layla's audience is pretty big. And, and I'm reading this whole email about me and, and like, I was having so many feelings, but afterwards the feeling was definitely vulnerability hangover because yes. she was sharing like very intimate truths about me and my life and these life changes in a very public forum that I had not shared yet. And this is not like, it, none of it was out of integrity. It was Layla, it was not a violation at all. It was mm -hmm. just, she's so open and brave and bold. Um, and I tend to really marinate and sit on things for a while. And so it was a good mm -hmm. kick in the pants for me to sort of own my own narrative and for me to like talk about this transition from meditation into the erotic arts. Um, and so anyway, I very much felt that vulnerability hangover and I was simultaneously so grateful for it because yeah. I, I sometimes need a little bit of a kick in the pants to just speak my truth. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I feel you sister. It's real. The vulnerability hangover is real. And at least what I've experienced is that it doesn't, um, and I'm sure you've had this in many layers throughout your career. I don't know if that's true as well. Like for me, a new layer, a new textures that, that's coming through is like owning my energetic gifts, my energetic sensitivities. And it was funny cause I just came out to like my clients, like a group coaching of 20 women. And they were all like, yeah, we know <laughs> we work with you. We know it's not like a, it's not a secret. And well, I was like, Oh, okay. When you were like, Hey you like guys, I'm doing energy work. And they were like, duh. 
Is that what you mean? <laughs> it was, yeah, it was just kind of like I had had this medicine experience and what came through for me was a lot around the witch wound and um, I'll get more into it in a solo podcast episode, but like a, a lot around the lineage of healers in my family and mental health and like fear around that. And so much came up for me and just owning it and taking a stand for those people in the world as well. And it was just hilarious. Cause I, yeah, I was like, I'm coming out so vulnerable and I just want to share it with you guys. And they were like, we love that you are owning it, but also like, yeah, duh. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> it reminds it's me kind of when I was in high school. <laughs> My, um, my high school drama teacher who I was really close with and he, you know, like directed all of our shows and I was a theater nerd and he like pulled me aside me and too. was like, Emily, I wanted, to, I wanted to tell you like, I'm gay. And I was like, duh, like, I know that, <laughs> but it was such a big deal for him. And it was so, yes. he was being so brave and I was yeah. wanting to be compassionate and honor the bravery. But I was, I was like, I've known that since the moment I met you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's good it's for funny, you like, for owning that. Sometimes people see us more than we see ourselves, but yeah, it's that continual process of just like revealing more and more of who we are. And that is like conscious relating, right? It's like, do we choose to conceal who we are or do we choose to continually reveal who we are, which is this excruciatingly vulnerable process? But I'm I'm like, I would like to know from where you sit, because you've been in this game longer than I have, like there's yes, authenticity, yes, honesty, and there's also what I, what I call worthy inquiry. Like if I'm at a mm. cocktail party and people are like, oh, what do you do? It's like, I can sort of tell if the answer is like, I'm an entrepreneur or I'm a meditation teacher, like based yes. on like what people want to hear. And if I, if I say meditation teacher, which I often do, then, then I can also tell and people like light up and they start asking questions. And so I feel like with this, with even saying like, I'm a sex witch, I'm a priest, I'm a sex <laughs> priestess, or like, like at what point is just stating the fact, like, do you need worthy inquiry in order to state the fact or yeah, like what's your threshold of initial conversations with people? You know, I say love sex and relationship coach because anyone can understand it. And so I guess for mm -hmm. me, when I'm talking to someone, my intention is connection. And I know that coherence and understanding usually is what creates that connection. And as you say, like sometimes people light up and they're like, oh, and then that's like this invitation or, or a literal invitation asking questions. And then you can get into the weeds a bit and, and, and feel, um, consent essentially. Do they want to hear more? Are they interested? Is that what they're curious about? And if not, you'll feel it immediately. You know, if I'm love, sex and relationship coach or I'm meditation teacher, whatever it is. And people are like, cool, you know, great. <laughs> we yeah, don't need to like, get into the just weeds. Keep texting. You're like, yeah. bye. <laughs> They're like, yeah, no, I'm late to go send over here. And you're like, okay. Did you watch the <laughs> it's a good Super filter. Bowl? Like, great. <laughs> totally. How's that rain we've been having? Yeah, exactly. So we're kind of, <laughs> I wanted to get in with you about uh, the idea of positivity. So we've kind of been like touching on it, right? Like maintaining a high vibration and this like quantum healing, sexuality, uh, Joe Dispenza type of stuff. And I know for me, it's been so powerful in my life. It's been such an amazing teacher, such a huge part of my journey to understand like what it is to cultivate a positive mindset and a high vibration. Uh, and I've also fallen personally into a lot of traps, seen a lot of clients fall into a lot of traps around like spiritual bypassing and toxic positivity. So I wonder if you could speak to that a little bit, like how do we cultivate this really beautiful, meaningful, profound tool of positivity? Uh, and how can we notice if it's like spiritual bypassing, toxic positivity? And is there any ways you would recommend to remedy that? That if we feel we are doing it? Yeah, great question. So 
we can't put a happy face sticker on top of an empty tank of gas. You can't put a Band-Aid on top of an infected, gushing wound. And that to me is what toxic positivity is. It's like, oh, that wound is infected and it's continuing to get more and more infected. And you're putting a smile and some affirmations on top of it, which is actually hiding. Mm. And there's nothing actually positive about that because it leads to amputation. And Mm. so um, to me, and this is where, again, if you try to get to the result without engaging in the process, which is what most people do with meditation, they try to clear their mind without ever learning a technique or ever knowing what meditation even is. Mm. Um, they're just like, oh, let me just focus. Let me quiet my mind. And, and then they just feel like they're failing, but then they're like really being disciplined and their like ego sort of gets off on trying to be a good meditator. But this is mm. why I say like we meditate to get good at life, not to get good at meditation. And that is a very process oriented because the meditations sometimes suck right? Like it's awful. Like nobody wants to sit and feel their feelings. Quite honestly, Mm -hmm. there's billions of dollars of industry built on top of ensuring that you never have to feel a feeling like have some wine, have some booze, have some Netflix, have some Instagram, have some opioids, have some pot. Don't feel Mm. whatever you do, do not feel. So we're working against both lineages and industries designed to repress. And so the very act of sitting and and feeling and thinking and being with yourself can feel very terrifying and also like a punishment because it's what you used to do. It's what your parents used to do when you were a kid is time out. So if you don't have a tool and training to go into the stormy, dark waters of your inner landscape, it's probably going to be scary and you're probably going to jump ship. So if anyone who's ever started meditation felt like a failure or felt frustrated because you couldn't clear your mind or just found some excuse like you were too busy, probably you just weren't equipped with the right tools to go into the terrain that is the inner landscape. So similarly with the toxic positivity, it's like, Yes, of course, the byproduct is a high vibration. Yes, of course, the byproduct is you having a lens of pronoia instead of paranoia. Pronoia, mm-hmm. the belief that the universe is always conspiring in your nature. But if you aren't willing to face the darkness or to clean out the wound, then, then there's actually nothing positive about it. It's just toxic. Mm, yes. I love the wound analogy. So, so true. It's like, and I love that with meditation. I've never heard it put that way of like, it is going to be uncomfortable. And then like, of course, those of us that have had a meditation practice for a long time, like, no, it's not always pretty and perfect and pristine. And I think what I've learned through medicine work and my meditation practice is like the nature of mind is not perfect and pristine and pretty. Like sometimes it's magnificent and transcendent and wonderful. And other times it's like violent and terrifying and weird and incoherent. And it's like, for me, developing that ability, as you've said, to just sit with and just witness and then like how that translates to life. Uh, Could you speak a little bit more to like you were saying, you know, how meditation can create better sex and meditation can create, I think earlier, like more money. And like, I know you wrote a book about like less stress, more accomplishments. Is that, did I get it right? It's got, yeah. Stress less, accomplish more. Yeah. Stress less, accomplish more. Could you touch a little bit on that? Like how this like regulation of the nervous system, whether it's through meditation, whether it's through sexuality translates into, um, yeah, being able to accomplish or be a highly contributing person in society. Yeah. So The thing is that stress is making us stupid, sick, and slow. 
Like it, mm. that's just the harsh reality. Stress is making us stupid, sick, and slow. According mm. to Harvard Medical School, stress is responsible for 90% of all doctors' visits. You know, there's a reason why you can't find your keys when they're in your hand, when you're rushing to get out the door. There's a reason why you can't <laughs> find your glasses when they're on your head, when you're freaking out about something. It's because your body's preparing for a predatory attack. Mm. And so every single system, endocrine system, hormones, skin acidity, digestion, all of it goes into survival mode, right? Mm. It's like digestion floods with acid, um, pleasure shuts down because your senses quite literally deaden because who wants to feel the fangs of the tiger? Your blood starts to thicken and coagulate so you don't bleed out. Your skin gets acidic so you don't taste very good. Bladders mm. and bowels evacuate. Immune system goes to the back burner. And so mm. this very powerful series of chemical reactions goes into play when you go into fight or flight. Mm. And that's really good for us and useful if your demands are tight. Tigers. But mm. because most of the species is living in this low-grade chronic fight or flight right now, it's mm. it's become really, really toxic. And, mm. and this is not toxic positivity. This is just plain toxic. Okay? <laughs> Straight up and now toxic. There is such a th- yeah. Like there is such a thing as, as good stress. That would be like hormesis. That would be ice baths, high-intensity interval training, sauna. Like that's where you put your body under a short amount of cu- acute stress, which actually mm-hmm. strengthens the strong mitochondria and kills off the weak mitochondria. That's different than chronic low-grade stress, which is like eating food that isn't food, not having enough sex, not being outside, looking at computer mm. screens all day, eating mango goes in the winter time, taking plane rides, like just basically our modern day lifestyle puts a lot of stress on your body. So Mm. even if you're someone who doesn't identify as stressed, just living a modern day lifestyle is not really in accordance with nature. Okay. We're not Mm. eating seasonally or locally. Our hands are not in the earth. We're not getting sunshine and fresh air the way we need to. And all of the artificial light, you know, is a thing. So yes. anyway, that stress is the thing that's slowing us down. It's leaving a lot of open windows on our brain computer. And by mm. the time the average American is 20 years old, we have approximately 10 million. Um, they're called PCCs or premature cognitive commitments, which are like 10 million open windows on your brain computer. And so what this meditation is doing is that it's actually giving your body rest that is five times deeper than sleep. And when you give your body the rest that it needs, it knows how to heal itself. And the cool thing here is that it's not just healing the stress from today. Okay. This is not like getting an app and listening to a guided visualization on YouTube This is actually with Ziva, you're systematically eradicating the entire backlog of stresses from your nervous system that you've ever accumulated. You are healing on a cellular pre-verbal level. And it is that eradication of the stress in the nervous system that's ushering you into higher and higher states of consciousness. Mm. Um, And that's different. And so just quick education, like the Ziva technique of what I teach is, is three M's. It's mindfulness, mm-hmm. meditation, and manifesting. And oh. mindfulness is like what most of the apps are, most of the guided visualizations. Anytime you're directing your focus and you're staying in your left brain waking state of consciousness, I would define that as mindfulness. And we mm-hmm. use it at Ziva, but like the appetizer. It's mm-hmm. like preparing you. It's giving your brain something to do to surrender into the deep healing rest that is meditation. And the style of meditation that I teach at Ziva is based on something called Nishkam Karma Yoga, which Mm. means union attained by action hardly taken. Lazy meditation. (laughs) So giving your body this rest. And then we finish with the manifesting, which is like, you know, it's similar to sex magic in that you've just made your body feel so good. You've released all this dopamine and serotonin. And then you you direct that. What would I Mm. love to create from that state? 
Mm, so powerful. How can people listening uh, get in touch with that if they're really curious about your methods, Ziva, and they want to know more? Yeah. So I'd say the easiest place is zivameditation.com. And -hmm. if you go to zivameditation.com slash podcast, um, there's actually a beautiful free masterclass there that'll help people to reduce stress, overcome anxiety, and improve their sleep and really go much deeper into the science of what we were just talking about. So I'd say zivameditation.com slash podcast um, would be a great place. And then soon, hopefully, quantum sexuality. (laughs) Yes! Go walk, don't run, get that domain, honey. And uh, walk, don't run to zivameditation.com forward slash podcast. I'm going to be going there actually and tucking into that. That sounds incredible. And so before we wrap up, I feel like it's been so uh, enriching and enlivening. And it's been, it's so funny. I had all these questions written down of this is what I'm going to ask. And instead, we just entered this flow state. I'm always grateful when that happens. And instead, (laughs) we just went to energy cocks. Aren't, isn't everyone listening glad that that's where we went? You are welcome. Um, so, <laughs> I sure hope so. <laughs> I'm going to move into rapid fire. So what book do you gift to people the most? Untamed by Glennon Doyle. I've read it 10 times. So, so brilliant. She's hilarious. Do you also follow her on Instagram? Her and her wife are so funny. I sure do. I sure do. <laughs> Your <obsessed>. last <laughs> last meal. Oh, salmon, cauliflower, zucchini, and green beans. I feel real proud of that. Also, my (laughs) nanny made it. I didn't make it. (laughs) Just full disclosure. (laughs) No, what I actually, I like that. In my mind, I need to rephrase this question. Like, if it, (laughs) if if it was, I'm in jail. Wow, it's so healthy. I've never heard anyone answer that question ever. When you're like, I'm real proud of that. I'm like, yeah, I'm proud of you too. Like you're just like to the core, your essence is health. <laughs> oh, okay. My last meal I could have on earth. Um, I would say um, per se and whatever the chef wants to bring me, just delight me. But let, lay it, let, it, let it have truffles and caviar and homemade butter. Oh, okay. That makes, Okay. <laughs> to salmon, cauliflower, zucchini. Bless that. Caviar. We went there. What's the most important thing for successful relationships? Ooh. Honesty. Mm, Yes. So someone comes to you and they're feeling really down, but you can only give them one piece of advice. What do you say? Meditate. Yes. (laughs) Emily Fletcher, Viva. Ziva. 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 Um, what is your favorite thing that you own? Ooh. Ooh. Ah. It's tricky, right? right the, the thing that's coming up right now, just because it feels so silly, is that I have this weighted blanket that's filled with crushed rose quartz and it's the most absurd thing I've maybe ever bought like it's so heavy like it's 30 pounds like I have to engage my core to lift it off my bed at night but I'm very cold I'm like a lizard I like it to be 80 degrees at all times and so I just have this like absurdly heavy blanket on my body at night and then I feel like the rose quartz charges me up in some way and then I also use it when I meditate I also Mm. p.s. have a rose 
quartz dildo, which Layla would oh. not recommend. She thinks that they're porous and dangerous. I but have one I idea. L- love I don't it. recommend them, but I and use I, it. Yeah. <laughs> like I just feel like what it does to me, like people every single time I use it, people are like, You're glowing, you're glowing, you're yes, glowing. Yes. And I and I think it's the rose quartz. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that the trouble with recommending it is the quality of the quartz people access. So that could I also feel similarly. It's difficult to recommend because it is a little more porous. And and glass is very safe. And I also use use uh it's like right there. I'm, it's staring at me. <laughs> a rose quartz and find it really powerful. It. If you can get like high quality mini, quartz. This oh my is gosh, my, we like, show it's like my, I call this my rem- remote control. Well, oh this isn't gosh. a dildo, but it's just like, it's like a remote it's control, like a little, but please show yours. Yes. Okay. It's like a little massager. I have a vibrator that's that shape. So I know the pleasantry of it. So let's, let's have show and tell on here. I've never done this before. This is amazing. She was just staring me in the face. Oh, so she was I like, yes. <laughs> and then here's oh, my little beautiful. seashell of yoni eggs. Can you see <laughs> anyway alas not rapid fire process oriented rapid fire (laughs) distracted by the shiny things pretty rapid (laughs) if you could be any animal what animal would you be tiger oh i see that you actually kind of look like a tigress Mm -hmm. i feel like i do kind of look like a tiger today yeah, mm-hmm. like the you've got the like high cheekbones, the feline. Yeah, I see that for you. Grrr. If you could have mm-hmm. a superpower, what superpower would mm-hmm. you have? Oh, to be able to activate people's kundalini en masse. Mm, I feel like you have like, that superpower. Specifically 80,000 people in a stadium. Great. <laughs> this woman knows how to manifest, okay, so y'all? The, the, we just have the clarity. <laughs> Crystal clear. <laughs> I mean, I think Crystal we're not far from it. clarity, okay? Legitimately. <laughs> yes, I feel yeah. it. I mean, yeah, rose quartz level clarity. <laughs> I'm just visualizing everyone, instead of their lighters, their sway with their, with their dildos. Anyways. With their dildos? Well, actually, that's like in the concession stand. Like there's no food, only dildos and lube in, yeah. and like different gemstones in the concession stand. Like can you Maybe even dark handle chocolate? it? Just the amount of fun we can have. <laughs> Sure. And like, yeah, dark chocolate. And like, instead of ketchup packets, it's like lube packets. I'm sure that Mickey will sponsor it with like one of her many companies. It's going to be great. I see it. It's happening. Okay. So if you chose to have a totally different career, and this may already be true for you in a parallel universe, and you could just be something totally different, different career. What what are you? What's your profession in this parallel universe? Mm, mm, mm. Oh, so I mean, I've had, I feel like I've been so lucky because I've done, I've done them. Like <laughs> I was on Broadway and then I was a meditation teacher and now I'm sort of turning into a sex witch. But I would say <laughs> the thing I, I feel like I still would like to do is ha- like, like direct and star in like a film and or TV show. Mm. Um, like that sort of on camera world still feels a bit untapped to me. We're potentially turning Ziva kids. I have a kids meditation training and we're um, in talks about adapting that into a TV show right now, but I don't yes. think I want to be on that. Like, I don't think it's a mm. great move to be like simultaneously coming out as a sex witch and be the star of a kids TV show. Maybe yes. in the new world we can do <laughs> things like that. Hey, but, yeah. um, <laughs> Um, this is the game B I'm envisioning. Um, but as of now, it doesn't feel super smart. Um, yes. But it feels like 
there's a there's a film in me that's um that wants to be birthed and it's specifically around like the sacred sexuality stuff mm. and it's a beautiful love story of this like teenage couple in the south and oh. and it feels like perhaps that will be like maybe that will be my thing that I do in that arena yes it ain't a parallel universe it's just right there it's happening I love that yeah, yeah. <laughs> So this is the last one. If there were a universal answering machine that you could leave a message on that everyone in the world, in the cosmos, would hear today, what would you say? Mm. You are enough. It is amazing how enough you are. Bliss is your birthright. 24-hour day bliss is available to you. Your only job is to remember your own divinity and to get out of the way and to trust nature working through you moment mm. over moment over moment. Ooh, wow. Everyone listening, let that sink in. Ah, oh, thank you so much, my love. I don't know if I've ever played. Thank you for playing with me and bringing so much fun and joy and light to the space and dildos. <laughs> Well, yours isn't a dilemma. <laughs> little, little, what did you call it? Remote control. Um. <laughs> well, I just, it just is rose quartz. So I think of it as a remote control connected to my other one, but it's just a stone. Oh, <laughs> just <yes>. a rock. <laughs> so it was me who shot the dildo. But anyways, the fun, the play. <laughs> Where can people connect with you more if they're just like thirsty and, and also excited to connect with your unfolding journey as a sex witch? Yeah. So I think the best place is zivameditation.com. So it's Z-I-V-A meditation.com slash podcast. But if yep. you want to just like be in the world and sort of be a voyeur for a while, I would say on Instagram at zivameditation on Instagram. Um, and then if you want cute pictures of my toddler, you can, I'm Emily at Emily Stella Fletcher um, yes. on Instagram. <laughs> yes to all of that. Thank you so much, my love. And more soon. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for having me. Thank you for blazing the trail and for creating this. Thank you for bringing the priestesses together. Thank you for the quality of your consciousness and the quality of your questions. I feel so honored to be connected to you in this deeper way. Yes. Better and better forever and ever, as one of our dear friends would say. That's it for today, Awakened One. And just a quick Thank you from me. Thank you for gifting us with your most precious resource, your time and attention so that we can make this world a more awakened place. And if we're not friends on Instagram yet, then we absolutely should be. So come on over and say hello at Angelica Alana and I'll see you there and see you next week.